Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Salutations, everybody, and welcome to the NRL Round 21 Preview. Going to be jumping through all the games taking place this weekend, coming smack bang out of the origin period. Uh, So the very, very hectic state of origin schedule is now behind us. And now that really leaves just one thing, the road home to finals. Now, there are a number of teams that have been ruled out of the race already, Uh, but still across the ladder, there is a lot of movement ahead. And I tell you what, as a Warriors fan, it is a bloody good time to be a fan of rugby league. So today, gonna be jumping through all the games. Uh, Sometimes I will start the preview with news and views, Uh, some breaking news around the game. Nothing that I really I wanted to touch on, we've obviously got some big name returns in the NRL. And don't forget, NRLW round one kicks off this weekend. And I think there's no doubt this is going to be the best edition yet. Uh, We've got a number of new teams, including the Sharks, Tigers, Cowboys, Raiders. And I think honestly, the talent is spread pretty evenly across each team. Uh, There are a number of players uh, that I really think can make a difference throughout the season. Uh, So it's going to be a phenomenal watch. Do not sleep on the NRLW this year. And I must say, uh, having a look at the team lists, Roosters, very strong outfit. I think Roosters, probably the deserved favourites. But you've got Sharks, who've signed Emma Tonegato. You've got the Brisbane Broncos, uh, who are historically... One of the stronger sides are now signing Gail Broughton, who's been one of my favourites to watch. Uh, and some new sides, like the Cowboys and Raiders. Uh, Raiders with Samima Taufa, uh, one of the toughest players in the women's game. Uh, they've also got Madison Bartlett, who personally one of my favourite players. Uh, so it's going to be a fantastic season. I won't be doing podcast content on the NRLW, uh, but I am going to be doing weekly content, both a preview of the round and a review uh, on Instagram. So I'll be doing that in post form uh, with text, things like that. Uh, It's because I really do want to keep across everything NRLW, uh, but I do feel that a better way to put that content out there is to do it on the Instagram. So at not just a sports report, if you want to keep up with my NRLW content, but today all about NRL round 21. Dolphins have the bye. Uh, and as far as news and views, I tuned in to NRL 360. Uh, not just tonight, but last night, watched the Tigers chairman interview, uh, or otherwise Fat Tony, whoever that was, looked like a mob boss. Uh, but I must say, Tigers chairman Lee Hedgepentelis, uh, something along those lines. I was pretty satisfied with his answers to some tough questions. Uh, Maybe Tigers fans, not so much. Uh, But then 
I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll give NRL 360 another run tonight. That lasted about four minutes. First thing I tune in and see Paul Crawley, um, another News Corp journalist. Surprise, surprise, with a ridiculous article uh, drumming up a whole heap of false outrage about something that matters so little. So I switch on the telly. First thing I see, Paul Crawley's written a story about Brandon Smith uh, after the Roosters lost to the Storm. Now, of course, that loss, a very heavy one as far as the Roosters' season goes. Uh, But Smith smiling around, uh, having a bit of a catch-up with the Storm players like Munster, Harry Grant, and Paul Crawley. Well, he thought, not such a good look. Well, I don't know about that. And then he said, you know, I don't really care about it. Okay, Mr. Fucking just wrote an article when no one was even talking about it. Uh, But he said he didn't care, but Roosters fans apparently did. So I reached out to a couple of Roosters fans in my life. Only about seven or eight of them. So, um, look, it's not the largest sample size. But I said, how do you feel about this Brandon Smith thing? Not one of them said they gave a shit. In fact, all of them said, couldn't care less. In fact, we totally understand uh, the context of the situation. Given Brandon Smith has won premierships with these blokes. And when the final siren sounds... I don't think it's that bad to be smiling with some former teammates. Like, it's not like this loss was the only shit one the Roosters have had that has derailed their season. There have been a bunch of them. So I say play on. And yeah, so four minutes tonight, I lasted of NRL 360. And then I just thought, you know what? I don't need the shit in my life. I would rather hear about something a bit more productive. And that's no slate on 360. Love Gordon Tallis, love Brayton Astor, uh, but I just thought it was funny that Paul Crawley points out, you know, not a great look what Brandon Smith did. Well, it's not like he allegedly choked a woman, which in my opinion, a much worse look hasn't really been talked about on the 360 panel. Uh, So play on in that regard. But I'm not here to talk about these shenanigans and ridiculous news stories. I'm just here to break down the games. Uh, And honestly, when I first started this podcast, that was kind of one of the reasons. Now, there are plenty of fantastic outlets out there that do complete breakdowns of the games, uh, fantastic content. So I'm not saying that's not out there. It's out there in spades. But I just felt whenever I tuned into Fox Sports, a lot of the time, I really just wanted to hear about the games that were taking place on the weekend. But all I was hearing is boardroom drama or negative this, negative that. So we're not having any of that today. I'm going to try and keep the negativity to a minimum, uh, which is a bit of a challenge given that we open up with a Dragons vs Tigers game. Uh, But we're going positive today. Half glass full. So I'm going to try and keep the negativity to an absolute minimum. Let's have a nice, fun podcast today. Round 21 preview. Nothing else to do. Let's get amongst it. All right, opening us up. Two sides at the very foot of the ladder. Dragons and Tigers. Well, let's try and put a positive spin on this instantly. One of these teams is going to win. 
uh, which has been pretty rare throughout the season. So look, one of these fan bases who've had a very tough 2023, they're going to have a good night. So there's your positive stance. Dragons up against the Tigers. Uh, now, as far as team news, Tyrell Sloan comes back into the fullback position and Jacob Little back into the side. Uh, they've also got Ben Hunt back, which easily the biggest inclusion and does make a massive difference, especially when you consider uh, the Tigers halves situation. So to have someone as established and world-class as Ben Hunt, that could be what swings the pendulum in favour of St. George here. Uh, Jack Bird, he's also back uh, via the bench. And Dan Russell, a PNG international who's been around the game for quite some time uh, but had to really work for his debut. He's going to start in the back row. Uh, so good on Dan Russell. Nice to see a player uh, who's really had to work hard uh, getting an opportunity. Whilst for the Tigers, David Nofaluma comes back into the side on the wing and we see Dane Laurie uh, back in the 6th jersey. Some news breaking as well. Uh, Dane Laurie looks like he might be going back to the Panthers next year, uh, which is a move I like a lot. The talent's always been there. I don't think Dane Laurie uh, should be playing Cup or even Super League. This is a first grader uh, who I just think is suffering right now being part of a side that is struggling badly and an organisation in general. So Dane Laurie, uh, I like that move, but for now he is a Tigers player and he will be in the 5'8 jersey. Uh, what else we got? Not much in terms of the teams. Checking out the stat attack, courtesy of NRL.com and David Middleton. Dragons have won five of their past seven games against the Tigers. Uh, so there you go, Dragons with the recent edge. Oh, this is... I said I wasn't going to be too negative here, but this is this is David Middleton and NRL.com, and I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Tigers have been outscored 144 to 30 in their past three games. 144 points conceded in the last three games. That is an average of 48 points conceded per game. So we'll leave it there. Like I said, not going to be too negative today, but that certainly not good. Dragons winger Michele Ravalawa has scored seven tries in his past five games. And I tell you what, I'm putting him down for two or more here. Looking at the Tigers in recent times, uh, as far as their defense on the left, they have conceded tries to right wingers and multiple uh, in a lot of their recent outings. Will Warbrick scored four against them. Sione Katoa scored three against them. Semi Valme, I believe, scored one or two against them. Dominic Young, last weekend, scored two against them. So I, I was already looking at Michele Ravalawa. A lot of the time, the Dragons' best attack is down the right side of the park. You've got Ben Hunt. Uh, no Jaden Sewer now, though, who I think plays a bit of an underrated role in running those decoy lines uh, to be able to shift it out. But still, Michele Ravalawa, seven tries in his past five games. Throw that together with the fact uh, that Tigers having an absolute mare defending on that edge. I've got Ravalawa crossing 
for two or more. West Tigers halfback Brandon Wakem has landed his last 18 attempts at goal. Good on you, Brandon Wakem. Uh, honestly, I'm really happy to see him having some success. Well, not much because he's at the Tigers, but you get what I'm saying. He was a really promising bulldog, or promising junior at the Bulldogs. Uh, he was one I was watching coming through, never really reached any kind of heights at the Bulldogs, at least at NRL level. But again, uh, he was part of a system that was struggling and a team down toward the foot of the ladder. Now, he played in the Cup, New South Wales variety, last year, and he played a major part in leading the Bulldogs to a grand final. Now, he's come over to the Tigers, really taken the opportunity with both hands, and given that the Tigers have literally no halves set for next year, other than supposedly Aiden Caesar, I think Brandon Wakem deserves to get re-signed. Here we go, more points conceded. So Tigers not the only ones are having a bit of a tough time. Dragons have conceded 102 points in three consecutive losses at Wynn Stadium. So that's at their home ground. No home ground advantage here. 102 points in three games. That is an average of 34 points conceded. So look, I think we're going to see a fair few tries in this game. Uh, Dragons have scored 64 tries this season compared to the Tigers, who have scored 46. Uh, so a bit of a discrepancy there. And all four of the Dragons' wins have come on home soil this season. Three at Nestrada Jubilee and one at Wynn Stadium. So the numbers would suggest Dragons going to get this done. I did look at the Tigers uh, for an upset here, potentially but I just can't tip them with any confidence. I have major concerns about their defense through the middle on both edges, uh, but as I pinpointed, particularly uh, their right edge defense because they continuously concede tries down that edge. And I just feel like the Dragons, they'll be able to get this done. Now, my point of difference, Ben Hunt. I think in a game like this that really could be a flip of a coin, having somebody as influential and experienced as Ben Hunt, I think that's going to be the difference. So we're going to lock in the Dragons for the first pick of the round. Good luck to both teams. Honestly, I'll be happy for whoever wins. And for the losers, well, wooden spoon territory begins to really dawn on them. So one of these sides is going to get a much-needed win. The other, well, it's going to be very much the same as it has been this season. Another loss, unfortunately. Going to lock in the Dragons, though. Now, let's move on to what's next. Next up, my personal game of the round. This one going to be a banger as well. Top four implications in Auckland this weekend in the early Friday game as the fifth-placed Warriors. My goodness, I'm still trying to process all of this. We had a great start to the year, uh, but it's round 21. This is, this is not very Warriors-like in the best possible way. And to be honest, 
for the longest time, like since the 2011 Grand Final and just all the pain that we've been through as fans, my pass mark was just make the top eight. Just give us a game of finals. Well now, round 21, we are firmly not just in the top four mix, but in the premiership mix. Now, yes, yes, there are quite a few teams that are ahead of us. Storm, they beat us on Anzac Day. Uh, They probably have a better claim. Panthers, they've beaten us this season. They are easily the team to beat. Broncos, they beat us without their origin stars. Uh, So by no means am I getting fully carried away. But I'm getting carried away, as if I wouldn't. It has been a long, long time since we've even been close to being in the mix. So a bloody good time to be a fan of the Warriors. And they're up against the fourth-placed Raiders, which anyone who knows me personally or anyone who's listened to the pod for a while now would know Raiders very genuinely my second team. I grew up in New Zealand, always been a Warriors man. My dad's from Canberra, uh, so I've always grown up as well watching Raiders games in the household. Uh, For the longest time as well, Raiders just really struggled to put together a top-class team. Uh, So what they've done under Ricky Stewart for the last number of years, I've been loving it. And the best part uh, with the Raiders is this young core group of kids that are coming through. Guys like Trey Mooney. We saw Ethan Strange absolutely kill it in the under-19s origin. Speaking of under-19s origin, Ethan Sanders, the young halfback. And look, that under-19s team may as well have been called the fucking New South Wales Ethans. Pretty dominant display from a name uh, that I, I didn't know how many Ethans there were. Apparently, a lot. I think 19, 18, 19 years ago, Ethan was apparently the name in New South Wales. Uh, But they've signed Ethan Sanders, who's in the eel system at the moment. And that is a play that I like a lot. Obviously, Jack Whiten leaving the club at season's end. Brad Schneider over at Hull KR. And I'm not one... Is it Hull FC? No, it's Hull KR. And I'm not 100% sure if the plan is to bring him back. Because he's only there till the end of the season. I thought maybe Brad Schneider just there to get some experience and then come back. Uh, Ethan Strange played in the centres for the Blues under-19s, been named on the wing in the New South Wales Cup, uh, but is a 5'8". I believe that's his natural position. So now you've got Ethan Strange, Ethan Sanders, uh, some really talented kids, and potentially Brad Schneider as well, uh, who can look to lock up the Raiders' halves for the long-term future you got guys like Hohepapuru as well. And none of these young guys are playing. Uh, but I do think very, very bright future. Especially when you throw in guys like Matt Timoko, uh, Albert Hopawate, Harley Smith-Shields. I really, really like what the Raiders are building toward. Uh, but, like I've said before, I cheer the Raiders on as though they are my only team in every single game. Except... When they play my ride or dies. My beloved Warriors. And the best example was Jared Croker's 300th when these sides met earlier this year. Jared Croker, one of my all-time 
favourite players, given my love for the Raiders. And it was his 300th. I wish it was against someone else, but it was against the Warriors. So best example, even on Croker's 300th, I gotta go with my boys, the Warriors. Anyone who knows me knows how passionate I am about the Warriors, and I'm just enjoying this season so much right now. So Raiders, they are not going to have forgotten the touch-up they received in Canberra on such a significant milestone for their captain, and they're going to be looking to come to Auckland, get the win over the Warriors, and cement themselves as a top-four side. Now some big ins for the Raiders. We see Corey Horsburgh back in lock forward position, Josh Papali'i and Pasami Saulo are back in the side as well. So that really adds some starch as far as the Raiders' forward pack, whilst for the Warriors, I believe Bunty forward didn't play last weekend, so he's been named in the front row. Marata Niukore back into the side as well. That shifts Mitch Barnett to the bench, and I must say, very pleased with how Mitch Barnett has been playing. Josh Curran bumped out of the side which I found curious, but this isn't the first time we've seen Josh Curran fall out of the side or be on the bench or, you know, things like that, which to me is surprising, but I guess there must be some kind of reason behind it. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with healthy competition for spots. It's just going to drive everyone to be that little bit better. Uh, But Josh Curran, one of my favourite warriors, so... I kind of hoped he'd play, but you know what? At the moment, we've got that luxury, the Warriors, uh, of being able to pick from a lot of players in form. So it is going to be a hell of a game. I really think the battle here, look, the Ford packs are going to have a lot to do with it. For the Warriors, I look at guys like Adam Fanua Blake, Tohu Harris through the middle, a workhorse like Jackson Ford on the edge. Whilst for the Raiders, Joseph Tarpane, who was a Kiwi himself. Uh, that is the player wearing green that probably gives me the most concern as far as Raiders snatching the win here. They've also got Hudson Young, Big Red, Corey Horsburgh, Papa Lee back into the mix. And you throw in someone like Emre Gula off the bench, uh, who I believe is underrated. And look, the Ford packs, they're going to have a lot to do with the result here. But my key battle. That lays in the halves. Whiten and Jamal Fogarty up against Luke Metcalf, who is really starting to warm into that halves role. And Sean Johnson, in career best form, uh, which when you consider where everything was going into this year, a lot of calls for him to retire, I couldn't be happier. Like This is a guy, despite the ups and downs of his Warriors journey, this is a guy who has spoken openly about wanting to deliver the club its maiden premiership. And that's something that you can't buy. There, we've had some good players come and go throughout this system, but some of them, like, they want success, but they don't have that intangible desire as a Kiwi uh, to really deliver that first premiership. Now, guys like Chance Nicole Klukstad, Sean Johnson... They are leading the charge, and everybody is on board. I think at this point of the season, Andrew Webster is a lock 
for Coach of the Year. And I feel very grateful because Andrew Webster, I think he would know to a small extent, but I don't think he would fully be able to appreciate just what an impact he's had on Warriors fans' lives because we have been waiting for a long, long time to see consistency, resilience, and just an all-around team effort like we have in 2023. So for Andrew Webster, as really a coach signing that had no fanfare around it, he has done such a brilliant job. Such a brilliant job. And I did see a bit of chat around Nathan Brown, who, look, his coaching record at the club, not so great. But he did play a part, so I must thank Nathan Brown as well. He was responsible for signing some of the players who are in such fine fettle right now. And yeah, I'm just stoked. I think the players that we already had, they're playing as good as they ever had. And I think one of the real keys has been the guys we've signed. Every single signing we've made has been fantastic. It has complemented the side beautifully. Dylan Walker in the 14 jersey. I I wouldn't have anyone else in that role. The work he's doing through the middle, his versatility is invaluable. Mitch Barnett, another signing, playing out of his skin. Uh, Murata Nyakore, Jackson Ford, who must be one of the bargain buys of the season. I cannot imagine we'd be paying him a great deal. And he's playing 80 minutes on the edge for us, week in, week out. I'm also fairly sure it is game number 50 for Jackson Ford. So congratulations to him. Uh, Luke Metcalf, another signing. We've seen Tamare Martin shine at different points throughout the season. And then, of course, the guys that are already here who have taken their games to another level. Not just Sean Johnson, but look at Dallin Wateni Zelezniak, career best form. Rocco Berry, a young player who had a lot of promise, uh, but over the last couple of years, he didn't make his mark on first grade, uh, which I'll mainly put down to the fact that Rocco Berry really only emerged uh, around the same time as the COVID pandemic, which, as we know, had a major, major effect uh, on the development of these young players. There was no cup. There were no junior grades. Uh, So Rocco Berry, the only football he was really playing was at NRL level. And now it just seems like Rocco, he's starting to get that development under his belt. And now, like, it just seems to have clicked. Like, now I'm seeing what I was hearing, because I was hearing some very good things about Rocco Berry, Uh, but congratulations to him, because now it's no longer promise and potential. He's really putting that into action. Uh, So very happy as a Warriors fan. And given my love for both of these teams, I really don't want to see anyone lose. On the Raiders side, Matt Timoko, one of my favorite players in the NRL at the moment. Uh, He's someone that I think could trouble us a bit. Going head-to-head against Adam Pompey, uh, who's having his best season yet, but at times, I just feel his defense can be a bit of an issue. And the main thing with Adam Pompey, very solid player, but he doesn't have a lot of outside speed. Uh, So when you think about the pace that Matt Timoko has, 
that could be a real issue if the Raiders decide to attack down that edge. Uh, but overall, I just think this is going to be one of the games of the round. And despite my love for the Raiders, I mean, I'm pouring all my energy into a big Warriors win here. And I'll just pull up our run home. Uh, because honestly, when I looked at the run home, that was when it really started to click. Like, okay, top four actually isn't beyond us here. Uh, so I'm just going to quickly pull up, and sorry as well for being a bit more Warriors-centric in this preview uh, rather than focusing on the Raiders. But hey, like right now, Warriors talk of the competition. Raiders, though, with a win, well, they're going to steal all of that hype, and then we're going to start to say, oh, shit, have we been sleeping on Canberra? Who also, uh, my preseason pick, when I picked my dark horse for the premiership, I went with the Raiders, who I do believe, on their day, can match it with any side in the competition. Uh, but for the Warriors run home, they've got the Raiders in Auckland this weekend, then a bye uh, Titans on the Gold Coast, Titans sitting 12th. Then in Sydney, they play the Tigers, Tigers sitting last. Then in Auckland, the Seagulls, who are 11th. Then the Dragons in New Zealand, who sit 16th. And then the Dolphins, to finish us off, who are 13th. So as it stands, right now, Raiders are the only team who sit in the top eight uh, that we've got to play on this run home. So it is a very favourable draw, although if we know one thing, there are no easy games in the NRL. And in fact, on the Warriors' road to finals, many could argue this is the toughest assignment. So very keen for this one. It's a pickle. Given where both sides sit, I really don't want anyone to lose. Uh, but with a bit of bias, I am going to go the Warriors here. And for a combination of reasons. Reason number one, I feel like Warriors genuinely have the edge over Canberra more often than not. And this isn't just this year. I, and I don't have any stats in front of me to back this up. But of course, there are no two teams that I pay closer attention to. And I just feel like Warriors, our brand of football, it seems to have the Raiders come undone more often than not. And I think in Auckland, I mean, the buzz right now in Auckland, I will tell you, I'm looking at my Instagram story, I'm seeing mates from back home who I didn't even know gave a shit about the Warriors rocking up to Mount Smart. Like, right now, more so than ever, there is a real buzz around Auckland and New Zealand as a whole about the Warriors. And given the COVID situation where they were away from home, all these factors, it just feels like let's strike while the iron's hot. Let's keep this run going, not just for the rest of this year, but I mean, what a platform to build going forward. We have all of New Zealand behind us. I feel like most of the wider rugby league community as well uh, are enjoying seeing us succeed. We've never been one of the more threatening teams. Like We've never won the premiership. So, I mean, I can't imagine heaps of fan bases that hate us, given over the last 10 years, we haven't really caused anyone that much pain. So it's good to see everyone getting around the Warriors, but more specifically, for us fans, 
It's just so good to finally have the team going well. We've had the players many a time. We've had lots of things, but it just, it hasn't worked out. Now, with Andrew Webster, we're hotter than ever. Like, just the feeling in New Zealand, even when I went back there a little bit earlier this year, there's just this real genuine buzz around the Warriors. And combine that with the fact uh, that the Super Rugby competition, in my opinion, is really, really a poor product at the moment. Like, some fantastic players. And I love myself some All Blacks. Uh, but I just feel like it's so slow. It's so stop-start. There is a huge gap between the best teams and the worst teams. Like, outside of the Brumbies, really none of the Australian teams can consistently compete with the Kiwi ones. So the product right now uh, is really lacking. No South African teams anymore uh, who were really good competitors. And I think New Zealanders or Kiwis, I think a lot of them are starting to switch on to the Warriors. Not that they're abandoning rugby union altogether, but I mean, if you look at Super Rugby right now, super slow, stop, start. You see red cards are for very minor offences, things like that. Uh, and then, of course, kind of the poor uh, depth of the competition or just strength overall. Like I said, the discrepancy between the top sides uh, and the lower sides. And then you switch over to NRL. You've got the six again rule, like the game is faster than ever, it's more expansive, it's exciting, the Warriors are going well, mind you, so it just feels like now is a really critical time for New Zealand Rugby League, and if the Warriors can build on this, well maybe if they look at the next expansion team as maybe a Christchurch or something like that, like this could be a massive boom for rugby league in New Zealand, which of course the international game is important, massive in Australia, of course, big deal in England as well, although not as much as your cricket and your Premier League and whatnot. But still, there is a real opportunity here for rugby league to strike while the iron is hot in New Zealand. And now with the expansion team, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Perth. I still think we kind of need to get the Warriors up and running all together on a consistent basis before pouring resources into a Christchurch team. But yeah, I'm just super excited as a whole about rugby league in New Zealand. Of course, where I grew up, where I was first introduced to rugby league. Spent my formative years going to games at Mount Smart. Unfortunately, most of them, we got pumped. Uh, but... Yeah, it's just a fantastic time to be a Warriors fan. Do I think we are going to win the Premiership? Probably not. Do I give us a chance? Absolutely. And I always have. From anywhere in the eight, I feel like we can give sides some trouble. So if we can qualify for the top four, the boys could be on. I'm telling you that for free. And I'm starting to just look at my schedule uh, around September, October, I'm starting to think maybe a Sydney trip may be in order. Now, I'm not saying grand final, but maybe week one of finals, we come up against Penrith or something like that. 
I just want to be there. So I've started putting away a little bit of money, uh, just in case that's what it comes to. Head over to Sydney and uh, support the boys. But yeah, it's going to be a cracker game. Raiders with a win. Well, they're going to shore themselves up in the top four. And I'll be doing the weekend wrap podcast on Sunday, which is my review pod. Of course, today the preview. So given that I haven't talked too much about Canberra today, if they do go on to win this one, on the Weekend Rap Podcast, I'll be talking all about Canberra and their premiership hopes. But right now, yes, I'm a one-eyed supporter. Yes, there is bias in this, but I just, I can't go past the Warriors right now. And it makes me very happy. I forgot, I forgot how good it feels when your team's going well. We've played finals once since 2011. Like, cast my mind back to 2011. We're in the grand final. Sean Johnson in his first year. We've got Kevin Locke as a youngster. We've got an under-20s team that are killing it. And it seemed like maybe, just maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe, we were destined for some great things. Unfortunately, a pretty handy coach named Ivan Cleary leaves the club at the end of 2011 and everything that's followed since even the year we did play finals got bundled out week one it's just it's been a painful road and i don't know if i've ever been as happy to be a warriors fan 2002 i was a bit too young to fully appreciate the magnitude of making the grand final of course there was the whole bulldogs salary cap issue as well uh, that kind of led to us making the grand final. Uh, 2011 was fantastic, but we won games in the finals, but we weren't like a premiership powerhouse. This version of the Warriors may just be the most likely to deliver us a maiden premiership. And honestly, I don't know how that is going to feel until it happens. And I hope it happens. I really do. Maybe not this year, but it feels like this is the start of something good. So after a long, long time, a lot of suffering, I'm going to be going the Warriors against the Raiders here. 100% bias in my selection. There was bias in my selection last week when I picked them against the Sharks. Perfect tipping week last week. Hoping to keep it going here. And I genuinely believe with a raucous crowd in Auckland, Warriors, with all the momentum behind them, they have every motivation they need to come out and deliver, as do the Raiders. Going to be a cracking game. I'm going with my boys up the Warriors. All right, moving on from what was my game of the round to what is probably, across the board, the game of the round. The 8th placed Rabbitohs, who despite having their position in jeopardy, you'd still have to say are one of the competition favourites. In fact, uh, the hype I was just talking about in regards to my beloved Warriors, well this matchup uh, on Friday night, I would say these are two sides right now that I probably have ahead of us uh, as far as Premiership contention, that being the 8th placed Rabbitohs, up against the second-placed Broncos. Rabbitohs playing at home, in quotation marks. 
on the Sunshine Coast, uh, where they're actually four from four. And now I know a lot of those games were against the Warriors. I used to live on the Sunshine Coast, so I always take a bit of special attention uh, to the Sunny Coast games. Uh, but yeah, most of those wins, I believe, against the Warriors. But Bunnies, four from four at Sunshine Coast Stadium, playing at home, even though for Brisbane, it's only an hour down the road, which is interesting. Brisbane this year have played an away game at Suncorp Stadium. Now they're playing an away game on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, but without a doubt, this is the game of the round. Rabbitohs, who previously beat the Broncos and beat them very well a bit earlier this season, they will be looking uh, to right the ship, get themselves humming on the road toward the finals. Both sides with some big ins as well, uh, which I'm going to get to right now. Thank you to uh, NRL.com for the team news. Now, Latrell Mitchell back. Been out since Origin, really. So been out for a hot minute. We knew he was going to come back in round 21 uh, from that calf injury. And it's perfect timing. And it could be a blessing in disguise, despite having to go through rehabilitation for his calf injury. Uh, he hasn't been playing, so hasn't been experiencing the wear and tear or the fatigue of the season. Uh, he didn't have to go through the grueling origin period. So I think now, as South start to set themselves for a premiership push, this could be hugely beneficial uh, for the overall bigger picture. And Trell is not the only big in. Campbell Graham returns to the side, another one of the Bunnies' brightest stars. Jai Arrow is back as well. And Cody Walker, Damian Cook, Kieon Kolamatangi, and Cameron Murray all return to the side from origin duties. Uh, and this is big, especially in the case of Cody Walker, who I believe has produced 20 try assists in 16 games this season. So once again, in unbelievable form, he's coming off the origin performance of his life, which can only add confidence. And when you have Cody in this form, you've got Campbell Graham back, who's been one of the best centers competition-wide this season, Keon Kolamatangi, and of course, Latrell Mitchell. This is perfect timing for South Sydney, because uh, now, coming out of origin, it is only about one thing the run toward finals. So to have all their best and brightest stars on deck, uh, that is massive. Whilst for the Broncos, Reese Walsh is back from suspension, uh, as is Payne Huss, who had a bit of an ankle injury. So Tristan Saylor is out. Uh, and of course, Pat Carrigan back from origin duties. Uh, so yeah, some big ins. Reese Walsh for the Broncos, Payne Haas, Carrigan. Uh, and for the Bunnies, a number of big ins. And perfect timing too. This is a game uh, that I feel deserves to have all these big stars playing. Uh, now checking out Stat Attack, courtesy of NRL.com. Bronx have won 8 from 9 away from home in 2023. Uh, so certainly not afraid uh, of a road trip. Although this one, probably the shortest road trip of their season outside of the Gold Coast. Uh, Rabbitohs centre Campbell Graham has scored six tries in his past five games against Brisbane. Uh, so if you're looking for an anytime try scorer, 
Probably wouldn't hurt to throw Campbell Graham in there. Broncos winger Selwyn Cobbo has scored five tries in his past four games. Uh, of course, scoring three against the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. And here's a big one. Rabbitohs winger Alex Johnston requires one try to move to outright third on the all-time try scorers list. Pretty remarkable stuff. I mean, Ken Irvine was well before my time. A lot of the guys on this list were well before my time. So Alex Johnston, pretty wild to say that, yeah, we're witnessing history. And I've spoken about it before. Uh, If he keeps on this trajectory, he may very well end up being the outright all-time try-scoring leader, which I believe we should rush the field if he gets that. I think everyone should run on the field a la Buddy Franklin. Wish they did it for Alex Twal, but they didn't. Uh, But that would definitely be worthy of uh, running onto the field. Now, the Broncos have come up with 77 tries this season. Now, only the Eels, Rabbitohs and Sharks have scored more. So Rabbitohs with 80 tries this season, three more than their opposition this weekend. Uh, But before I talk about some of the key battles across the park, I want to talk about the coaches. Both of them, most definitely firmly in premiership contention, but interestingly, neither of these guys has won an NRL premiership. As a coach, Kevin Walters is fucking, he's won a stack. In fact, he could have shared a couple around. You got guys like Nathan Hindmarsh getting bullied week in, week out. Well, Kevin Walters has something like six premierships, uh, but he hasn't done it as a coach. Now, both of these guys coaching these sides, they haven't been at the helm for all that long. So it's not like they've been coaching for a decade and haven't had success. They're still relatively fresh into their roles. Now, for Jason Demetrio, this is a coach who I've always rated. Now, when I first started paying attention to him uh, was when he was leading the Northern Pride in the Queensland Cup, took them to a premiership. Uh, Then he crossed over to Illawarra in the New South Wales Cup, took them to a New South Wales Cup premiership. Interestingly as well, a few guys in that Illawarra side uh, that South fans may know. Saliva Havili, Hame Sele, Isaac Thompson, Tane Milne, to name a couple. Uh, So there are previously existing relationships as uh, Jason Demetrio was coming through the grades. Then... He gets the gig as an assistant coach to Wayne Bennett at the Broncos. Uh, So Jason Demetrio, no stranger to a lot of the players in this Brisbane system that he's up against this weekend. Of course, then there's the Anthony Seabold drama, the Wayne Bennett drama, and a real casualty of that was Jason. So he crosses over to Souths with Wayne Bennett. Of course, Wayne did some remarkable things with this South Sydney outfit, wasn't able to take them all the way though. Enter Jason Demetrio, who I believe last year was his first season. And of course, we do know historically guys who come in immediately after Wayne Bennett, they tend to struggle. There's been no such struggle uh, for Jason Demetrio. The way he's got this South Sydney side rolling, it's incredible, especially when you consider 
Coming into this year, of course, Jack Whiten incoming next season, but coming into this year, they didn't sign anyone. Jason Demetrio put full faith in the roster that he had, and I think that was a massive vote of confidence to say, we don't need to bring anything in right now. I have full faith uh, in all the guys I have at my disposal, and we are seeing that repaid. Guys like Harme Sele, Jacob Hoss, or host, uh, just to name a couple, Isaiah Tass. You know, he's bringing guys through that they're not, you know, being chased by heaps of rival clubs. In fact, guys like Harme Sele really had to grind to even get into first grade, being in and out of systems. Uh, so Jason Demetrio, the way that he has really brought this South outfit together to keep them at the top of their game, and now this year to go to another level to what they were previous, I think it's a fantastic job. And Jason, well, he has the opportunity to become the only coach outside of Michael Maguire in my lifetime to take the Rabbitohs to premiership glory. So it's a massive task, and it is interesting, given that both of these coaches, they haven't done it as a coach before. So as far as navigating the road ahead, uh, they do have a bit of experience, but they don't truly know exactly what it's going to take until they can get themselves there. Uh, so Jason Demetrio, a massive task in front of him, but I don't think anybody doubts this is the right man for the job. And it's good for a guy like Jason Demetrio because, of course, his mentor, Wayne Bennett. I mean, if you want to reach out to anyone, ask for a couple of tips, like, hey, do you have any tips for leading a team to premiership success? Wayne Bennett would be like, yeah, I got a couple. So he's got some great experience to lean on. Uh, as far as the South setup as well, they're a very well-run organization. There are a lot of guys that Demetrio can look to for support uh, to really help him fulfill this role. Now, let's cross to the other side. Kevin Walters. Now, as a player... He knows exactly what it takes to win a premiership. And I think that could prove to be invaluable because when he talks to these Brisbane players, many of whom have never won a comp, you do have to kind of trust what he's saying. This is a guy who has six premierships to his name. So I feel like there is pretty solid weight to any comment that he makes. Now, the crazy thing is, going into this year, Kevin Walters... Looked like a dead man walking. Of course, the podcast comments, Tyson Gamble, Selwyn Cobbo, nice guy, shit coach, was kind of the inference. Uh, so going into this year, if Broncos hadn't come out firing, things could be very different. And I am stoked for Kevy. I mean, Kevin Walters had to fucking go through years, so many different times where he said, put me in, I would love to coach the Brisbane Broncos. His passion is the Broncos. Arguably, not many people know the Broncos inside and out the way that Kevin Walters does. But time and time again, he was shunned for the role. They went with Ivan Henjak. They went with Anthony Griffin. They went with Anthony Seabold. And it wasn't until the Broncos were on their knees, absolutely fucked beyond belief. Like, the Broncos had never been in such a diabolical, dire situation. And only then did Brisbane say, 
All right, Kevy, we'll give you the job. <laughs> and here he is. After some tough times, no doubt, and nothing tougher than the way they bowed out last year. But Kevin Malters, he has stuck true. Here, the Broncos are, second spot on the ladder, a team that many people believe are the most likely to end this Penrith reign. What a job from Kevin Walters, who, much like Jason Demetrio, hasn't been able to lead a side to premiership success as a coach. What a huge opportunity for both of these guys. Uh, and I just thought I'd highlight the coaches a little bit because they're doing a fantastic job. And if they weren't, there would be a lot of noise. If Jason Demetrio uh, failed to get the boys up, there's the classic Wayne Bennett narrative of no one can fill those lofty uh, expectations. And for Kevin Walters, there didn't even have to be that much go wrong this year uh, for him to be out of a job. I think they miss finals. They probably look to go in another direction. Uh, so I've got to give them their flowers. Fantastic coaching from both gentlemen. And they've got their sides at this point of the season ready to make a genuine charge toward this year's premiership. Big, big stakes on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, just quickly, quickly looking through some of the matchups. Two guys on return, Latrell Mitchell, Reese Walsh. Uh, I think it's fair to say both of these guys are going to have a huge bearing on the result. Uh, for Latrell, going to be interesting to see how much work he gets into, given he's coming back from a calf injury. And he's also not known for... A high workload. He's not your Dylan Edwards, your chance Nicole Klukstad, uh, who just gets into all that dirty stuff. He's a real, real electric player uh, with fantastic ball playing, great tackle breaker, and it's the combination with Cody Walker. Uh, that combination can put any team, even a team as quality as the Broncos, on skates. So big game for Latrell and very timely return for Reese Walsh, who we've seen many a time this year. His speed on the outside uh, to really open up those gaps, create a bit of space for the guys outside of him, uh, it makes a huge difference. I mean, look at Queensland in Game 3 of Origin without Reese. They looked very, very different. So Reese Walsh, a big in uh, for Brisbane. On the wings, you've got Tane Milne, Alex Johnston, up against Selwyn Cobo, Jesse Arthurs. Now, the centres. This is another very juicy battle. You've got Campbell Graham up against Herbie Farnworth, uh, two of the competition's premier centres. Katoni Staggs up against Isaiah Tass. Ezra Mam v Cody Walker. Now, Cody Walker, obviously, he is at the peak of his powers, whilst Ezra Mam still developing. Uh, but you could argue on his day, Ezra Mam just as exciting to watch in full flight. The halfback role, definitely less of a talking point this year than it was last. Lachlan Ilias for the South Sydney Rabbitohs and a former Redfern junior, Adam Reynolds, captaining the Broncos, being named to play uh, despite looking to pick up or looking like he picked up uh, a wrist injury in the Bulldogs game. And of course, most of last year, the big talking point was South shouldn't have let Adam Reynolds go. But with hindsight, the Bunnies, they made it deep into finals. Broncos 
didn't even feature. And of course, at this stage, Adam Reynolds is the better player. There's no disputing or denying that. But in modern rugby league, you do also have to consider uh, things like the salary cap uh, and, and preparing for the future. Because Cook, Walker, neither of them are at the beginning of their career. So it could have been hugely detrimental to the long-term picture had Adam Reynolds stuck around and then say, like Cody, Adam and Cook all leave within two years of each other, all of a sudden you're without a six, seven and nine. And then you just got to kind of rush into a plan. So at least now, Lachlan Elias getting runs on the board, by the time Cody hangs it up, by the time Damian Cook hangs it up, Lachlan Elias will be ready to be a senior player within this side. And they're going to have guys who will prove they're ready to jump into those other roles. Uh, so Ilias up against Reynolds in the Ford packs. Hame Sally Tavita Totola up front against Keenan Palacia and Payne Haas. Now, Payne Haas was missing earlier this year when Souths, to be honest, did a real number on the Broncos. Uh, so Payne Haas, that is a crucial in for Brisbane. Uh, Damian Cook, Billy Walters in the dummy half positions. You've got Colin Matungi head-to-head with Kurt Capewell. Young Brendan Piakura, who's finally starting uh, to get some consistent game time up against Jai Arrow, a former Bronco. And the Lock Fords, two of the best in the world, Pat Carrigan and Cameron Murray. The benches should have a bit of a say as well. Blake Taff, Saliva Havili, Tom Burgess, Jacob Host uh, for the Bunnies. Tyson Smoothie. Sunny Coast Jr. There you go. Playing at a ground he'd be very familiar with. Uh, Corey Jensen, Kobe Hetherington, and Marty Tapau. Yep. Those are the benches. Those are the sides. So across the park, some very, very tense battles. But when I look at who could break this game open, on the Brisbane side, i got to go with Reese Walsh. On the Bunnies side... I can't look past Cody Walker. He is in fantastic form. He carried that over into the Origin series, uh, which can only add to his confidence. And I just think, given the stakes here, where Rabbitohs, they're actually no certainty of playing finals. They sit eighth. A loss here, it could actually be catastrophic. So they have a lot to play for, as do the Broncos, who are chasing top spot on the ladder. Of course, if Brisbane do finish first, even if they finish second, uh, which they look likely to be a top two side, first week of finals, Suncorp. If they win that, preliminary final at Suncorp. That is not a bad road to the grand final. So with everything at stake here, this is the hardest game to pick of the round. But I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs, who are yet to lose at Sunshine Coast Stadium. I just think with all these guys coming back, even if a couple of them had quiet games, uh, to have them all back on deck at the same time, that's just going to lift South Sydney at a point in their season where that is exactly what they need. Uh, So I'm going to say best on ground, Cody Walker. And in what is my game of the round, I'm going to be taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs. 
What happens in the Super Saturday opener is honestly anybody's bloody guess. You got the 12th placed Gold Coast Titans season on the line, playing at home against the 14th placed Roosters, who can still play finals, but if you listened to the Weekend Rap podcast, I've put a line through them. I think they're done. As I said, did somebody say KFC? Because it's a bunch of fried chickens right here. And yeah, I think even if they go on a run and make finals, they're not relevant. Despite having an amazing team, that is the conclusion I've come to after 20 rounds. I kept holding off. I mean, it's the Roosters. At some point, it's going to click. Well, now, as they sit 14th, it's probably just too little too late. Uh, So here, loser of this one, Dunskies. Winner, look, they solidify their chances at making the top eight, but I don't have either of these sides playing finals. Happy to be proven wrong. Uh, That's just where I have things at the moment. Now, no Tino Fasua Malawe for the Titans, so that is a big, big out, quite literally. Uh, Whilst for the Roosters, they've got a pretty decent side, as they have all year. Uh, Brandon Smith, as I mentioned earlier, just outrageous form. Greeting his friends after last weekend's game. Outrageous. Uh, But I think all the dipshit media stories about that, that's just going to fire the cheese up to have a huge game here. Uh, Now, when I checked out Stat Attack, courtesy of NRL.com, I saw Titans have not beaten the Roosters on the Gold Coast since 2016, which feels like last year, but the more I think about it, I'm like, oh shit, 2016 was actually a little while ago. Uh, Roosters, they've won their past nine games against the Titans. Uh, So we do have a bit of statistical evidence that Roosters probably have the edge here, Uh, but the Roosters of the last decade much better than the Roosters we are seeing in 2023. And from memory, the last time Titans beat the Roosters was 2016, which I'm pretty sure was the last time they missed finals. Could have been 2017. My memory, pretty strong. I couldn't even, I mean, pretty poor. I couldn't even tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. Uh, but yeah, that could come into play as well, despite Titans having not won in ages. Last time they did... It was against a severely underperforming Roosters side, which is exactly what we have here. Uh, Congratulations to David Fafita as well, doing some wonderful things for me in Supercoach Draft. Game number 100. And we're really starting to see Fafita grow uh, into a very consistent player. Rather than a game breaker who is hot and cold, he's bringing his best every week which is what we love to see from Big Dave. Uh, But as far as this contest, like I said, it's really anyone's guess. Despite Roosters having the recent success, I'm not buoyed at all by the numbers because the Roosters have been awesome most seasons and they are most definitely not awesome here. Uh, But I do like Joseph Swali'i, who I've also just nabbed in Supercoach Draft, Uh, Moving back out to the wing, I think he's going to make a massive difference. That also allows Joey Manu in the centres, Billy Smith. And I think Swali'i on the wing, head-to-head with Alofi Khan Pereira, uh, it's going to be a pretty fun matchup. 
Uh, but as far as my X-Factor player in this game, I'm going to take James Tedesco. And look, I think that really quality performance in Origin Game 3, that could be the catalyst uh, for Tedesco getting back to his best. And I think on the back of that, if the captain's back to his best, I think the rest of the side can lift. Now, I don't have any confidence in either of these sides, which crazy to think about when you look at the Roosters team on paper. But this game, of course, not played on paper. Uh, but I say it time and time again, why are the Titans, in my opinion, not a top eight side? Defense. I keep saying it. And so that is why I'm going to go with the Roosters here, whom I have very little trust in. Uh, but basically to justify my pick, the numbers, they've won their last nine. Uh, they haven't lost at Seabus since 2016. And I just don't trust Gold Coast's defense, which is going to be tested here when you've got guys like Joey Manu, Luke Carey, Victor Radley. Uh, you've got Hectic Cheese coming off the bench. Daniel Tupo, one of the Roosters' greatest wingers we've ever seen. And... Almost the greatest try scorer, I believe he's equal right now. So I just think, look, this is a dangerous one because I think the Roosters are going to have a little bit too much to offer uh, in attack. But I've fallen into this trap time and time again, looking at this Roosters side and thinking, yeah, I think they'll be a little bit too good. And they keep losing. Uh, so I've put a line through the Roosters for this year. I've basically put a line through the Titans, but if they win here, they're actually every chance of making a late run uh, toward the top eight. But yeah, I just think these sides, I feel like it's just, I don't know. I feel like this one, it doesn't really matter who wins. Matters to the fans, of course, matters to the players. And it does matter as far as the ladder. Like whoever does win this, Genuinely, they do put themselves in a position where there's still a live chance for finals. And if you're a live chance for finals, you are a live chance for the premiership. But I just don't see either of these sides. Based on what I've seen for 20 rounds, I'll be surprised if in the next seven, they just flick a switch and hit the form uh, that we expect them to. But I'm going to go with the Roosters. Uh, X-Factor player, James Tedesco. I think he's in for a huge game. And when I look at a contest like this, and who can really break it open? I think Tedesco, making meters out of the back uh, with his really strong carries. He's a hard man to tackle, can free up the arm. And when I look at the guys around Teddy, like if Tedesco gets the side on the front foot, you have an almighty Ford pack, JWH, Lindsay Collins, Radley, even the addition of Nathan Brown. You've got Luke Carey and young Sandon Smith on the back of that. And I just feel like in what should be a pretty physical contest, if the Roosters are the ones going forward, uh, one, I have more trust in the guys they have in the team to really get on the front foot with that. And two, Titans defense is just shambolic. I've said it for a couple of months now. They're not going to play finals. They have an awesome team. They can score some fantastic tries. There is a lot to like about the Titans. 
But defense is what wins comps, and they do not have that right now. They've been heartbroken over the last two weeks as well. Many people believed uh, that Regan Campbell-Gillard should have been called offside in that game last weekend against the Eels, which would have more than likely given the Titans the win. Hurts even more considering that same kind of circumstance caused them to lose in Golden Point against the Dolphins. Uh, So I do wonder, could this be the rocket the Titans need to just say enough is enough and come out and give us their best performance of the year? That could be a very genuine possibility. Uh, But I just think with how poor their defense is, I reckon there's more of a chance that they drop their bundle. They've just lost two games that had they won them, well then all of a sudden, it's on for young and old. Gold Coast Titans are pushed toward the final series. But that's been the theme all year. I've heard it all year. Oh, if Titans had won these close games, they'd be first. They're 12th. So what does that tell you? It tells you that their defense is not up to scratch. And I say this from uh, a very self-aware point. I was never the strongest defender. Not the worst, but, you know, when I'm sitting on my ass on the couch drinking a beer, I try to be mindful of not going too hard at these professional athletes who, if I ran at them, they would fucking crunch me. Uh, but it's, it's clear as day. It is clear as day. So I just think Titans... It's not going to happen for them this year. Don't think it's going to happen for the Roosters either, uh, but I'm going to take Sydney here. Going to lean toward the numbers of recent years, and I just think they're going to have a bit more to offer, both in defence and attack. So let's lock in. First pick of Super Saturday. I'm going with the Chooks. Sandwiched between two important Saturday games, we have a bit of a hidden gem. This is a contest, I think, with very little fanfare surrounding it, that I'm actually taking a very, very great interest in. The 10th placed Newcastle Knights, who I have in my bottom tier of the competition. I cannot see them playing finals. I had to actually double take because uh, on the weekend rap podcast, I did kind of a bit of a review of where sides are at and had three tiers, premiership tier in the mix. So sides like the Titans, uh, Warriors, Raiders, Eels, Cowboys, who were all still in the mix. And then I had my bottom tier of the comp, which I had the Knights in, only to check the ladder and say, hold on a minute. These boys are still in the mix. 10th place Newcastle Knights playing at home. This is the most important game of their season. Up against the third placed Melbourne Storm. A very, very tough ask to compete with the Storm here. But Newcastle, they may not have won, but they competed and pushed sides like the Broncos and the Panthers to their absolute limit at different stages of this season. So for Newcastle, they're a live chance here. And then we'll be able to look back on those efforts and say, okay, we know that for the best part of 80 minutes, we can actually match it with some of these great teams. It's just getting those wins. I mean, they sit 
10th. And I think about the draw in Mudgee against Manly. I think about the golden point loss to the Panthers. I think about the loss at the death against the Broncos. What a difference. Uh, somewhere between four and six extra competition points would have made. And my biggest takeaway from the Knights this year is despite on paper not being a competition heavyweight, more often than not, they come out and they give it a red hot crack. I don't think there's been a single time this year, maybe one or two performances are littered in there, where I could fault their effort. Uh, so I've been hugely impressed with the way the Knights have gone uh, about their season. And now, I mean, Callum Ponga, he has hit top form again. He was my player of the round in round 20. Bradman Best, coming out of origin, a totally new man. The best version of Bradman Best yet. And isn't he something like 21 years old or something ridiculous? Like this is still a kid we're talking about. A kid in a fucking man's body playing like a seasoned professional. Dane Gagai back into the mix as well in the centres. Uh, Dominic Young, Greg Marziu on the wings playing fantastic. The combination of Tyson Gamble, Jackson Hastings has been going very well. Uh, and they've got a strong forward pack as well. So for the Knights, a team who I gave no chance of playing finals this year, a win this weekend could change everything. That is what interests me so much about this contest. And then you have the third-placed Melbourne Storm looking to hold their position, looking to defend their position in the top four. Uh, which, obviously, if Storm are in the top four, their chances of winning the Premiership drastically increase. So whilst it is the biggest game of the night season, it is a huge one for Melbourne. And given that Craig Bellamy, he has seen pretty much everything there is to see in this game, he's going to know. This is a real banana peel game, where if Melbourne don't show up with the right attitude, they could slip up, and it could be costly at the back end of the season. Uh, so I am pumped about this game. For the Storm, they do have Munster, uh, Harry Grant, uh, who've been in the Origin series. So I think having class players like that is going to make a huge difference. You've got Xavier Coates coming off a hat-trick, his second of the season against the Roosters. Will Warbrick really starting to grow uh, into his role on that wing. And over the years, we've seen them bring guys in uh, like Korobeti, Josh Adokar, Suliasi, Vunivalu, Will Warbrick. He, he's another one that fits that mould. A guy that the Storm bring in. Now, when they got Korobeti uh, and Josh Adokar, it was pretty well expected they were going to be uh, superstar wingers. But a guy like Suliasi Vunivalu, no one knew who he was when he first landed at the Storm. Uh, Will Warbrick. In only his second year playing rugby league, he is really starting to come along. Uh, so that's another one that I think is going to have a big game. Olin Remus Smith in the centres. Nick Meaney. Now, he's not going directly head-to-head -head with Callan Ponga, who's in the form of his life. Uh, but Nick Meaney, funnily enough, was a Newcastle Knight. He was a young fullback looking to cement himself in that role. 
And it wasn't until Callum Ponga I was signed as a marquee player that Nick Meaney realised I'm going to have to look elsewhere. Had a stint at the Bulldogs. Now he is the Melbourne Storm's fullback. And I've seen uh, Ryan Pappenhausen tracking pretty well in his recovery. And as a fan of the game, like, I hope Ryan Pappenhausen just, first and foremost, I hope his quality of life, his health, uh, that would be at the forefront of my mind. I hope all of that uh, is in a good place. But we all want to see Ryan Pappenhausen back on the field. No doubt about that. But it's round 21. So if he comes back, I don't think he's going to come into that fullback role. I think maybe off the bench, something like that. But it would be very harsh for Nick Meaney to lose his spot. So now, here he is. Having left the Newcastle Knights a number of years ago, he now returns to Newcastle as a fullback for one of the premier sides of this competition. Uh, So it's been a great season for Nick Meaney. Uh, Christian Welch captaining the side. Big Nelson, a sofa Solomona. He's going to start in the back row and shift into the middle at some point. Although Ali Katoa due back in the next week or so. And of course, you've got someone like Josh King, who at the Newcastle Knights didn't see this. Didn't see this version of Josh King. And the Storm were able to identify what a player this guy is. And he's in career best form over the last couple of years. So this is a matchup, like I said, I have a great interest in this one. And I think I've just underestimated Newcastle all season. In fact, they were my preseason pick to win the spoon. And I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm someone who's delighted when I'm wrong about those things. Like with the Tigers, I would love to see them do well. There's no side in the competition that I want to see go through a sustained period of unsuccessful footy. So to see the Knights sitting 10th, i got to give them their flowers. They are a live chance this season. And look, I think McDonald Jones Stadium is going to be packed. I don't think the importance of this game is going to be lost on the fans. And I once again cast my mind back to the game against the Panthers, the game against the Broncos. Newcastle, they've been able to push the best sides to their limit. And I just wonder what what could happen going forward for the rest of this season if the Knights can get a season-defining win against one of the best teams in the comp. So there is a lot at stake here, a lot at stake. And my key battle, got to be the halves. Uh, on the Knights side, you've got Gamble and Hastings. Who Look, at the start of this year, we saw KP in the six. Uh, but now, fast forward to round 21, it's very clear. Callum Ponga, your best uh, output from your superstar player is when he's at fullback. Of course, at the start of the year, playing in the front line, there were concussion issues, all sorts of dramas. Uh, so to see KP back fit and firing as a fan of the game, something that I love to see. And honestly, one thing we have learned throughout the season is that Tyson Gamble and Jackson Hastings, that's the Knights' best combination. Uh, so they're sticking with that, and it's starting to really pay dividends. They had the win last weekend against the Tigers. 
Uh, they put 66 points against the Bulldogs, or on the Bulldogs, and didn't concede a single point. So Newcastle now, I know those wins were against the bottom teams of the competition, but they won, they won well, and they've been able to compete with some of the top sides. So very intrigued here, and honestly, I'd be happy to see Newcastle go on a bit of a run here. Uh, but when I look at the key battle, as good as Gamble and Hastings are, I cannot go past Cam Munster and Jerome Hughes. And it's kind of a toss-up, you know. You pay too much attention on Cameron Munster, all of a sudden you let Jerome Hughes loose, who has transformed himself into one of the best halfbacks in the game, uh, but who also, as a natural fullback coming through, has a very strong running game. Uh, when he actually takes the line on, Jerome Hughes, very fast. And I think he's one of the best runners of the football uh, as a halfback. So Jerome Hughes, you've got to pay equal attention to him. You've got Harry Grant at dummy half as well. So all of a sudden, you're watching both the halves and Grant will come out of dummy half and make you pay for it. So I think, yeah, in a game where I think Knights will be desperate and they're going to throw everything they have. What leans me toward the storm, it's a halves pairing uh, that is tried and tested. It's proven. And of course, when the pressure is on, when the stakes are high, who else in the game shows up but Cameron Munster? Nobody does it better than the money man. Uh, so in a game where I think, honestly, we may very well see a sneaky upset, I just cannot go past uh, an international halves pairing in the Australian and Queensland Maroon Cam Munster and the Kiwi Jerome Hughes. Going to be a fantastic game though, one not to miss. Let's lock in the next pick, Melbourne Storm over the Knights. All right, just quickly before I jump into the next game, News just broken, courtesy of Danny Weidler. Uh, Samuel Afainu and Latu Fainu are two very promising young stars who we just saw in the under-19s origin game, reportedly have signed with the West Tigers. Hell yeah, that's, that's some positive news. Tigers needed that. And I'll tell you what, maybe Aiden Caesar, Latu Fainu, not the worst combination. So fuck yeah, Tigers, that's, that's good to see. Funny as well that NRL 360, uh, the old codgers, we screaming over the top of each other saying, no one wants to go to the Tigers. This issue between Scott Fulton and Benji Marshall, no one wants to send their players there. Uh, well, apparently the Finu brothers want to go there, so maybe it wasn't as big a deal. Uh, but yeah, good get from the Tigers Let's get into it, though, the Saturday night game. A replay of last year's prelim final. The ninth-placed Cowboys. The seventh-placed Parramatta Eels. Two sides who had a pretty ordinary our first portion of the season. But these are the two teams who... Look, Eels are in the eight now. But these were the two teams who were making the run from outside of the eight. The two sides that we looked at and said, all right, they're not in the final series yet, but if anyone's going to do it from outside the eight, it's these two. 
We have the ninth placed Cowboys on a tear of a lifetime right now. The seventh placed Parramatta Eels, whose only loss in recent memory uh, was a loss against the Warriors without all their best players. Uh, so this shapes as a massive game. Cowboys, if they get themselves in, it's going to be very, very hard to get them out. Scott Drinkwater in the form of his life. Although Clint Gutherson, very much the same for the Eels. Uh, this is a game with just so much on the line. I look across both outfits. Jeremiah and I are back to the form he was in last year. Bryce Cartwright in better form than we've ever seen. And there was a long time between drinks. A fair stretch between when he burst onto the scene at the Panthers, uh, playing some unreal footy, and this year, playing consistent and as good football as he ever has. Now, in between that, Bryce Cartwright at times has been unwanted at clubs, really just couldn't cement himself as a first grader. These are the kind of things I love to see. A player who's faced some adversity could have easily dropped his bundle and said, fuck, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to the form I was in. Now, not only is he back into form, but the Bryce Cartwright we saw at the Panthers, a youngster uh, with a lot of flash to his game, this version of Bryce Cartwright is so much more substantial. He's actually added a lot of tough, really gritty elements to his game that have really never been there, at least to what I've seen. So this is another example of Brad Arthur, a coach who cops so much, taking a player that may be unwanted or definitely not you know, having clubs line up by the dozen for him. And Brad Arthur has developed him into the best version we've seen. So that's pretty quality. I'm excited as well for the battle in the back row. Lock Ford, Reuben Cotter, Jermaine Hopgood. Two Queenslanders who really add so much starch to their respective packs. Uh, Sean Lane up against Jeremiah Nanai. Cartwright up against Luciano Leilua. Brendan Hands, Reese Robson, the dummy halves. I just read as well. Sorry, I can't quote a source. Uh, source Instagram, I guess. Uh, that Eels may just look at making a play for Jake Simkin. Uh, given that Josh Hodgson out for the rest of the season, Mitch Rain has retired uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that does make sense. Brendan Hans has been unbelievable this year, but it's his first year. And of course, if Hans goes down, then they'll find themselves in a bit of trouble. And for a side that are looking to compete for the Premiership, that's not a problem that you want to be running into. So potentially, Jake Simkin... Uh, may end up landing at the Parramatta Eels. The halves battle interests me too. Uh, Tom Dearden once again in top form, whilst Mitch Moses coming off the back uh, of his origin victory. I think we're starting to see Moses reach that level of his career uh, where he really knows what he's about, what his game style is, what he brings to the Eels, uh, and what his role is to help achieve success. Uh, as far as following the game plan, but also having the ability to keep your eyes up and play what's in front of you. So Mitch Moses, look, you've heard the likes of Cooper Cronk before. They say when you first come into first grade, 
There's so much to learn and it takes a long, long time before you're fully comfortable within your role and you can start to be one of the premier halfbacks worldwide. And I just think Mitch Moses, over the last couple of years, he's been a much more consistent footballer. His defense has improved out of sight. And it just feels like now uh, Moses is starting to edge closer to being a really complete player and one of the best halfbacks in the game. And I'm not saying he's the best halfback in the game, uh, but he's tracking very nicely. Partnered by Dejan Arce, uh, who actually came through the Cowboys system. So there you go. Now, no Mike Acevo, no Regan Campbell-Gillard. That is a big, big blow. And that's actually my point of difference here. Uh, like this game, ninth versus 7th, both of these teams are with a pretty poor start to the year. Since then, though, these are two of the informed teams of the comp. Only one of them can win here, though. And interestingly, the winner, all of a sudden, they are Onza. Like, they're in the eight. They're really causing trouble, wreaking havoc amongst the comp. Whilst the losers still firmly in the mix, but given their poor start, could come back to hurt them. Now, last time we saw these sides play in Townsville, it was the Eels who were victorious, booking a grand final spot. This time around, though, uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Scott Drinkwater, I just think he's playing as good as anyone right now, and I think Scott Drinkwater in for another huge game, which definitely isn't a bold prediction, uh, but I just think the way he's going, Eels, they're going to have to shut him down. Now, my point of difference, why am I going the Cowboys? No Regan Campbell-Gillard, no Mike Acevo. That's my point of difference in a game uh, that I expect to be very close to have arguably your best prop. I know Junior Paolo in that conversation, uh, but to have such a huge part of what your game plan revolves around in RCG, be out, and then Mike Acevo, who hasn't been in try-scoring form uh, as of late, but is such a massive part of their backline, a backline as well, uh, which the depth isn't exactly, uh, you know, phenomenal. They don't have the best depth. Eels at New South Wales Cup level have been going very poorly. Uh, so to lose Mike Acevo and Regan Campbell-Gillard Compounded by no Josh Hodgson, no Dylan Brown. That's my point of difference. Both are in unbelievable form. Only one side can win though. And when I look at these teams and I kind of think, who is more likely to really make a significant premiership push? I'm looking at the Cowboys. Uh, so we're going to lock it in. Cowboys over the Eels. On to the Sunday action, 2 p.m. Blue Bet Stadium. Uh, we have the $1.03 cent favorites, first place Panthers, 15th place Bulldogs, uh, according to Sportsbet, $12.50. Also, side note, like I, I love a punt, but honestly, I get so sick of seeing Sportsbet and shit plastered everywhere. Some weekends, I'm like, you know what, I might just kick back, take it easy. Every fucking way you look, you're watching the game, 
and like very obnoxious ads come on and then of course plastered all over the screen Joel Kane uh, who I actually think has some fantastic tips but nonetheless between each game it's like let's hear from Joel Kane at Sportsbet even here on NRL.com can't even just click on the game to check the team lists without seeing the sports bet odds. I'm not being, I don't know, some people might be like, oh, you fucking snowflake. But I just feel like it's oversaturated. And that's coming from someone who loves a punt. I'm not being like, oh, bad gambling. I'm just saying, like, it's fucking, it's so in your face. It's not something I grew up with, you know, whereas kids of today, it's like ingrained into them. It just becomes a very natural part of the sport. Kids these days grow up and they put sports betting hand in hand uh, with the NRL. So, yeah, sorry to be... I said I wasn't going to be negative, didn't I? Here I am, being a fucking whiny bitch. But yeah, just, I could do with a bit less of just being pumped by gambling ads and fucking just from every angle. And side note, uh, on a positive side, Sportsbet, Try July, fantastic cords. They're donating heaps to charity. Doesn't matter if it's a marketing thing. I've seen some people be like, you know, it's just a marketing stunt. Well, when I have $5,000, $10,000 that I can be giving out to charity per try, then maybe I'll say, ah, oh, fuck it, it's just a marketing stunt. But I'm not giving five grand to charity a pop. I'm not giving 10 grand. So regardless of what it is, the money's going to charity, so that's a good thing. What's a bad thing? Bulldogs $12.50, according to, as I said, the sports bet shit that is just always in your face, no matter where you go. $12.50. You guys are dogs. You can't give $1.03 odds for Panthers, have them that heavily favoured, and then have Bulldogs $12.50. There's no value. Bulldogs should be like $60. That's the one thing I think is bullshit about gambling as well. 10 second rant, because I said I wasn't going to be negative. Uh, but you give $1.03 odds, $12.50, that is generous for the Bulldogs. It should be 60 but the dogs like that. They just want to take you money. They don't want to give you money, uh, which wouldn't even be giving you money. Dogs, fuck, I'll be very surprised if they win here. But $12.50 odds. Sports bet, if you're going to put your shit in my face all the time, at least give me some juicy value. Rant over. I said I wasn't going to be negative. Positive stance. Try July. What a great cause. We're going to see some fun celebrations this weekend. That's the negativity done. Uh, big in as well. We have Viliami Kikau named in the 23 jersey. Uh, so we don't know if he's going to play. I'll be shocked if he doesn't up against his former side. So we haven't seen Viliami Kikau in a hot minute. Back into the side this weekend. I uh, was Penrith. They get all their origin stars back. They get Nathan Cleary back. Obviously the biggest inclusion of this entire round. And they have guys who aren't even partaking in the origin period who are phenomenal. Fisher Harris, Moses Leota, Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen. No one more so than Isaac Tungo at the moment. He is a player who I am enjoying to watch a hell of a lot. Uh, one of my favorites to tune in. Uh, but given, yeah, given the, this game, really, to have a side that are $1.03 favorites, 
I'm just going to check stat attack and then I'm going to put my prediction out there, which is the Panthers. Even, and I mean this respectfully, I think Dogs fans can understand, even at $60 odds, I probably wouldn't have a stab at it because, like, say I put 10 bucks on it. Oh, I could win 600. Uh, probably just going to lose 10 bucks. So it all adds up. Just remember that. You win some, you lose more, as they say. Uh, that's very true as far as the Bulldogs season as well. Anyway, start attack. Penrith have won their past five games against the Dogs by 12 points or more. Bulldogs have conceded more points. Oh, wow. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a stat attack. See, $12.50 for the Bulldogs. Shit value. Dog act, you guys. You need to put those odds up. Um, Bulldogs have conceded more points. Just prepare yourself for this. Dogs have conceded more points in their last five games than Panthers have this entire season. So there you go. I mean, Panthers... Defense, it wins comps, it's won them comps, and it continues to have them up at the top of the ladder. Uh, and now they didn't win in 2020, but this is four years where they have been leading the way. Uh, so, that again, that just highlights one, how fantastic Panthers' defense is, and two, how dismal the Bulldogs has been. Uh, Panthers have won 32 of their past 35 games at Blue Bet Stadium. Bulldogs prop, Tevita Pangai Jr. has scored four tries in his past four games against the Panthers. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, Tevita Pangai, not a noted try scorer, uh, but that is one, as far as any time try scorers, I'll be staying clear of that. I think I'll be staying clear of this one altogether. And Nathan Cleary, on return, notches up game 150. 150 games, two premierships, a World Cup. He has an Origin Series victory in there. Only 150 games into his career. Pretty impressive if you ask me. Uh, and last stat, Bulldogs hooker Reid Marnie has produced four 40-20 kicks uh, this season. So he actually has the most 40-20s in the NRL this season. Nice positive note there uh, for the Dogs fans. But I'm going to go Panthers don't need to justify this and just given the discrepancy of the odds like how expected Panthers are to win here look it's not impossible dogs could win uh, but there's not much to break down here is there I'm gonna take the Penrith Panthers over the Bulldogs and we are gonna move on to the last game of round 21 we've got some silverware on the line in the final game of the round, the Flat Track Bullies Cup between the 6th placed Cronulla Sharks and the 11th placed Manly Seagulls, who really have passed the torch. They said, Cronulla, you guys are the Flat Track Bullies now. Uh, so Points Bet Stadium in Sydney, big changes at the Sharks as well. Cronulla, they'll be licking their lips. Seagulls, not a top 8 side. Uh, whilst Manly... They're looking to keep their season alive. Uh, so very, very big game for both teams. Uh, and the biggest talking points, Telekai moved to the bench for the Sharks. Uh, so that left edge of Cronulla, they were pieced up by the Warriors uh, last weekend. Some changes had to be made. 
Connor Tracy into the centers. I actually like that a lot. I think that could be a change that benefits the Sharks going forward for the rest of this season. Uh, and Braden Trindle takes Matt Moylan's spot, which is especially noteworthy uh, given that Matt Moylan, he's a bit older now. So yeah, he's going to have to fight his way back into the team. Otherwise, yeah, first grade career, not done by any means, but certainly an untimely point of the season to be removed from the squad. So Braden Trindle, who hasn't really put a foot wrong when given an opportunity, he is going to partner Nico Hines in the halves. A big out for the Sharkies as well. Teague Wilton out for the rest of the season, I believe in ACL. Really unfortunate for a player who'd been giving a pretty good account of himself. But that sees Jesse Colhoun come into the back row. Uh, and if you paid attention in the preseason, I did a one-to-watch series. One young player uh, from each club to keep an eye on. For the Sharkies, Jesse Colhoun was my one to watch. So I have a bit of a vested interest as to how he goes in this one. Dale Finucane back. So that is a huge in uh, for the Sharkies. Whilst for Manly, they've got pretty much the same side. Although Matt Lodge comes into the 17 jersey. Now Lodgy, uh, despite me being critical of him at different stages, uh, he was my knocking on the door nomination in the performance highlights, which if you don't know what that is, uh, during each round, performance highlights, I give player of the round, team of the round, a talking point, things like that. Uh, but I also do a knocking on the door segment, uh, which is for a player in reserve grade who put in an unbelievable performance to really uh, force their coach's hand to give him a go in first grade. And knocking on the door is not limited to guys who haven't played NRL. It's anyone at reserve grade level. Now, Matt Lodge has just arrived at the Northern Beaches, but he put in a tremendous stint for the Blacktown workers at cup level. So he actually was my knocking on the door nomination. So he's earned his spot in this manly side, and it's going to be his club debut. But the biggest talking points, changes for the Sharks, as well as this flat track bullies tag, they're in danger with a pretty tricky run home of potentially dropping out of the eight. When you consider there is a side like the Cowboys sitting ninth, just waiting to take that spot, this is the biggest game of the Sharky season. Uh, whilst Manly, I'll tell you what, this whole Isaac Moses situation, they're trying to brush it under the carpet, they put a statement out. If you don't know who Isaac Moses is, uh, he's a player agent. And you know what, never met the guy, Again, I'm trying not to be negative, uh, but my perception, the dude's a fucking mug. Never met him though, so he could actually be a tremendous dude, so who knows. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but there's starting to be growing talk of Isaac Moses and his influence at this Manly Club, which is not good. We saw him have a big influence at the Broncos when they were at their lowest. And as a Warriors fan, and what makes me kind of say this guy's a bit of a fucking mug... Uh, he had a hold on the Warriors for a bit. I believe he was Stephen Kearney's player manager. I think Adam Blair from memory, Blake Green. Uh, we had a few guys under Moses at our club. And I distinctly remember reports uh, that when we were about to move Stephen Kearney on, Isaac Moses said, if you move him on, 
Blake Green's going elsewhere. Like, all my players that are in your team are going elsewhere. So fuck you, Isaac Moses. You're a dog. Never met him again. I might meet him and be like, oh my goodness. What a guy. You know, he might be really friendly. So again, this is just perception. So let's let's not be too serious. But yeah, when I found that out, I was like, fuck off. How about you fuck off? You're a player agent who really doesn't bring any success. He has a stranglehold on clubs and he brings them to their knees. And when I heard that, if you're going to let go of Stephen Kearney, say goodbye to the other players under my management, I just thought, what a mug. Like, what a bullshit move to try and play the club like that. So he's fucked with my club and I did not like it. Now, Manly fans, looks like it's your guy's turn. And Manly, they released a statement saying, what, he only manages a few players at our club. Well, I read a report from James Hooper. Who, look, I'm not a huge fan of his either, but credit to James Hooper for this story. Uh, it broke saying, look, he doesn't have the most players at Manly now, but as of next year, he is going to have the most players in the Manly squad uh, under his management. Not good. He manages Anthony Seabold. He manages Matthew Lodge. He manages Tommy Talau, who's on his way over. Not sure if he manages Luke Brooks. Have to look into that. Uh, he manages Shane Flanagan, assistant coach. He manages Jim Dimmick, assistant coach. This is not good, Sea Eagles fans. I'll tell you that. This is the last guy you want to have a heavy influence on your club. And that Warriors thing was the best example. Again, allegedly. I wasn't there. I wasn't present when he said these things. So... For all we know, maybe he never did. And I try not to cast too many judgments, even though I called him a mug probably like six times. Uh, but again, like, I never met the guy. I've never had anything to do with him. So maybe it is unfair for me to call him a mug. But every club he's involved with, they seem to have issues. And he gets this stranglehold on them where all of a sudden the players they're bringing in are Isaac Moses' clients. And it's not really on talent. It seems to just be he gets his guys in the door. And he does manage some talented players, but just from my experience with Isaac Moses, this is a guy you do not want anywhere near your club. And yeah, it just pisses me off every time I think about that thing when it's like, if you sack Stephen Kearney, which Stephen Kearney is not a mug. This is a guy, again, never met him, but from all reports, Stephen Kearney is one hell of a stand-up bloke. And even when he left the Warriors, like all the boys in that team had nothing but positive things to say. He means a lot to New Zealand Rugby League as a whole. Of course, was the Kiwis coach at one point. He was a phenomenal Kiwi player as well, and most notably at the Storm. So Stephen Kearney, a great guy. So it is hard in a situation when you have to sack a bloke who the players love, the fans love, uh, and just is a real genuine, decent character of the game. But I'm a Warriors fan. I'll tell you this much. He did need to go. It wasn't working. We needed to get another coach. Now, Nathan Brown, that was a bit of an up and down journey. But now look at where we are under Andrew Webster. Like, we did need a change of coach. So for Isaac Moses, reportedly, and this was a few years ago as well, so talk about hanging on to the past. Uh, but, yeah, for Isaac Moses to really put our club in jeopardy and say, 
Well, if you make this decision, which is for the benefit of the club long term, well, I'm just going to pull these players out. I so, said, yeah, I'm not a fan of Isaac Moses at all. I said I wasn't going to be negative. I've been ranting left, right and center. To be fair, I started the first bit last night and I woke up today apparently in a negative mood. But I, that's my biggest talking point with Manly, this Isaac Moses chat, which they're trying to shut down. I'm telling you, if you're a Manly fan, you do not want this guy anywhere near your club. You don't. And now, seven players next year are going to be under his watch in a top 30 squad. That's nearly a third of Manly's squad that are going to be under the eye of Isaac Moses. So what happens if Anthony Siebold, who we've seen it before, has had a fucking awful run to the point where he needed to go? What happens then? If it gets to the point, and I hope it doesn't, because Anthony Seawold, I'm loving the redemption, and I think he's doing a great job at Manly. Uh, but if it gets to the point where Seawold needs to go, what's going to stop Isaac Moses from saying to Manly, you let go of Seawold, my client, boom, I'm going to take pretty much a third of your top squad out. So yeah. What's the positive stance? Well, he's, here's the positive stance. He's fucking... Has nothing to do, if maybe one or two clients, not sure. But he has nothing to do with the Warriors right now. And look how we're going. Broncos, they were able to remove his influence. Look how they're going. So it doesn't bode well for the Seagulls. If there's one guy that you don't want to have influence at your club, it's this guy. Because he doesn't give a shit. Isaac Moses, again, never met him. Maybe he does. But from in my opinion, uneducated, probably. He couldn't give two shits about Manly. He doesn't care about their long-term sustained success. He's looking out for his clients. He's looking out for numero uno. And he's looking to make bank, looking to make some money. He doesn't care about the direction of the Seagulls. So now to have someone like that so firmly entrenched in the mix, and I like the majority of the guys that they have signed for next season are Isaac Moses' clients. So this growing influence, I just really, really, really don't like it. But whatever. Manly aren't my team. I hope to see Manly succeed. Uh, they're fantastic when they're going well. But they're not my team, so whatever. Like That's the positive stance from this. Isaac Moses, not at the Warriors. Nothing to do with them. But yeah. This is not a good dude. I'm pretty sure Ricky Stewart even came out and made some comments saying, you know, this is what can happen. You get a player manager who just has the club under their thumb. And Manly over the last couple of years have proven their track record of decision making pretty questionable. Now, they let go of Des Hasler. That may have ended up being the right move. We don't know. But again, you've let a premiership coach walk out the door. They've brought in Anthony Seabold, fresh off one of the worst coaching tenures we've ever seen, or at least I have in my lifetime. Again, though, I wish nothing but the best for Seabes. I hope he fucking wins a premiership with Manly. Uh, but they let go of a premiership winning coach, proven coach, uh, who has strong ties to the club. They bring in Anthony Seabold. We, of course, had the whole Pride jersey fiasco last year. Uh, which the concept of a pride jersey, I am not against. I know a lot of people are. Conversation for fucking another day. Uh, but the way that was handled 
diabolical. Then, uh, they start letting go of some young talents like Latu Fainu, Samuela Fainu, and they bring in Luke Brooks. Again, could be a masterstroke. It actually might be exactly what they need, but the optics of their decisions time and time again, very questionable. So now, with all these very make-or-break decisions, they've got Isaac Moses there, and I just don't like it at all. So negative. Such a negative Nancy. Sorry. Opens the podcast like, oh, we're going to be positive today. Fuck all these outlets that are negative. I don't want to talk about boardroom or player agents. Proceeds to rant for like 10 minutes about a player agent. But yeah, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And we'll leave it at that. And I'm going the Sharks because of this. The Isaac Moses theory. I think things are about to take a turn for the worst at the Seagulls for that exact reason. And Sharkies, look, if they were playing a top eight side here, probably reconsider my position. But they have just received, one, a belting in Auckland, two, they've dropped out of the top four, three, heavy criticism to the point where now, after having a set 17 for the entire year, Craig Fitzgibbon has been forced into changes. Now, if that isn't a kick up the backside, I don't know what is. And Cronulla, I still believe, are a very quality team. After what I've seen a few times this season, I no longer have them uh, as a premiership contender. But such is the quality of their roster, uh, their coach, and really just this team as a whole. They're still most definitely in the mix. And I've said it a few times with the Sharkies I'm not too judgmental on how a side loses. I more so look at how they respond. And Sharks, to their credit, I've seen some pretty dismal performances from them uh, throughout this season. But more often than not, they do come out and respond. So I'm taking the Sharkies here. I think Connor Tracy into the centres could actually be the best thing uh, for their season. Could give them a bit of a spark. And Talakai hasn't been dropped altogether. He's on the bench, can cover centres, but now with Teague Wilton out, he can also come into that back row position. So some big changes at the Sharkies, uh, which I think could be beneficial. Some big changes at the Seagulls, which I think could bring them to their knees, if history is anything to judge by. I'm going the Sharks. I'm going the Sharks. I'm anti-Isaac Moses. So here's my positive stance amongst all this negativity. The Sharks, they have been hammered from pillar to post over the last week. And whilst a win over an 11th place team is not going to silence any of the critics, my positive stance is that the Sharks, they are still playing for a premiership. Yes, they conceded 50 points. We'd probably say they're not going to win the premiership, but they are still in contention. Whilst Manly are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. And usually that desperation would lean me toward Manly, but I'm not going near them with a 10-foot pole as long as Isaac Moses is around. So Cronulla Sharks, we finish with the final tip of the round. Uh, And I will be back this weekend. As soon as the games are finished, I will sit down and record the weekend rap podcast. So today, preview pod, all about asking some questions. Weekend rap, all about having some answers. Uh, And if I spoke about your team 
a little bit too briefly today? You wanted to hear more? Well, if they win on the weekend, it's that's a great opportunity for me to come back. I mean, for example, didn't talk a lot about the Raiders in today's preview. If they beat the Warriors, I'll be talking all about the Raiders on the Weekend Wrap Pod. Uh, so that's what's coming up. And of course, tomorrow, uh, today being Wednesday the 19th, tomorrow, Thursday the 20th, I'll be releasing over on the Instagram my first edition of NRLW Hype. Uh, that, like this pod, uh, being a preview for the round, uh, that's what NRLW Hype is going to be, uh, but not in podcast form. I'm going to be posting it over on the Instagram, uh, a lot of text-based things, and just a bit of a preview of the round. Maybe a look at some players in focus to keep an eye on. Uh, and in this first edition, I'm going to give out some tips. Uh, my premiership tip, my M tip. i tell you what, my woman's footy tip's not too bad. I haven't done, I've done a little bit of NRLW, uh, but I have been doing AFLW over the last couple of years. I'm thinking I might shelf that, to be honest. Uh, shelf as in put it to the side, not shelve as in on a big night out, you know. But I, yeah, I think AFLW I might just put to the side for a bit so that I can just go all in on NRLW and really deliver uh, the best possible content. But from an AFLW perspective, I'm two from two preseason picking the premiers. So I'm hoping that success can carry over uh, to the NRLW content. So tomorrow on Thursday, be sure to check it out. And I can't wait. Like, how good? Not only do we get to dive in to the men's footy this weekend, but we get the women's footy fix too. And I must say, NRLW, I love it. Like, we have Olympic gold uh, medalists in the mix. I can't fucking speak English. And we've got some big changes as well as player transfers. Gail Broughton over to the Broncos, uh, looking like she's going to shift from fullback into the halves. Same go for Emma Tonegato, who moves over from the Dragons to one of the new franchises in the Sharks. You've got a team like the Tigers, first season in NRLW, but historically in women's footy, Tigers have been a really strong outfit. You've got the Raiders, who I think have an underrated squad. The Cowboys have just entered the competition. How good. What a time to be a fan of footy, men's or women's. Let's get around it. But that is it for today. The round 21 preview, hoping for consecutive back-to-back perfect weeks. But we'll have to see. I'll be checking back in on the weekend wrap pod. But until then, that is all from me today. Thank you for listening. And most importantly, enjoy the footy this weekend.